Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Log Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Nightlight. I'm Barb DeLong, and along with Mark Snyder, we invite you to step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Tonight I'm really, really excited to be doing another show with Mark Snyder, who, um, as most of you know, I, I have taken to believe is, for me, the guru of Billy Meyer material. Prior to Mark Snyder, I did not know much about Billy Meyer at all, except what I'd read here and there. wasn't really um, given the impetus to investigate. And yet when Mark and I got together and started talking, he sort of um, opened my eyes, and, and even though I did not always agree with everything that Billy Meyer said, more and more and more I listened to the message behind the words. And I have to admit that after now, I guess I've known Mark for six, seven years. Um, I'm not exactly a follower, but I am more, more of a believer than ever before. And I've taken to, I researched Billy Meyer. I made sure that I knew a little bit about the background because Mark knows so much more about him that I felt that, you know, to interview him on my show, I did him a disservice by not understanding the man that I was going to be um, talking about for two hours at least. And I found the more I read, the more I understood, the more I began to understand that this not only is is a tremendously unusual man, but, but I would, I would, carefully and gently even put the title prophet on him because in in looking at the material he puts forward and the material that that has been given to him to share with humanity um that the title of prophet does absolute that's validation from my telephone um (laughs) it 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 the information that is there is so pure and so phenomenal that it does 
And I'm not saying he's the reincarnation of Jesus or Buddha or any of those guys. But I would I would put the title of prophet on him because the material that he is sharing resonates with that of Jesus, with that of Buddha, with that of Edgar Cayce, with that of um, so many others that that have been um, considered to be of inspired thought and word. And for the most part, I, I, I do absolutely resonate with just about everything Billy Meyer says. And so I thought that tonight it would be interesting because he has such an amazing body of work and there is so much material out there to look into that um, – that we look at his predictions because he did predictions in 1958, uh, then in, then again in 2009, and then most recently he was told that they weren't going to give him any more predictions or prophecies because humanity wasn't paying attention to them. So it, it just seems to me that it would be a good idea to first understand a little bit about the man and how he got to where he is, and then look at his work and what he has written and what he has put out there for humanity to pay attention to or not, and for the most part, or not. So, Mark, um, tell us a little bit about Billy Meyer, enough to get us started so we can go into his work. Okay. You know, I could spend the rest of the two hours just on that one, answering that one question. I know. That's uh, why I said little. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, at, at yeah, a little bit. Okay. Edward Albert Meyer is a, a man in his late 70s. He lives in a tiny mountain village in Switzerland called Hinterschmidruti, which is about 52 minutes east of Zurich. Uh, there's a building there called the Semyase Silver Star Center where his group meets. His group is known as the FIGU, which is a free community of interest um, uh, a group of people that not only meet in Switzerland, but they meet all over the world. And they help Billy uh, translate his material and organize it and ship it out all over the world. He's written over 40 books and uh, well, thousands of, of booklets. And these booklets include bulletins, but they also include uh, contact reports. And his contact reports really uh, began in about 1945, where he met uh, with a man named Svath for 11 years. And then after Svath, he met with a woman named Askif for 11 years. And then he had 11 years of a normal life. And then he met with a, a woman named Semyase for four to five years who would land her beam ship right there in Switzerland in the beginning, uh, out in the open, uh, near the forest, and uh, before all the people started to find out about it. And she, those contacts were cut short because of an accident that occurred when one of the people from the FIGU walked in during a conversation uh, that Billy and Simyasi were having, and she fell, uh, she was startled, she fell, hit her head, and she was kind of beamed up to her ship and suffered a, a kind of a tragic accident. So those contacts were cut short. Now Billy has contacts with two higher-ranking uh, player and men. 
One is, well, actually, they're both considered Ishwished now, which are kings, kings of wisdom. That's one of the highest titles that the Plaran have. Uh, one man is named Ta, who is allegedly the commander of their mothership, and Quetzal was uh, the commander of the Plaran forces that were in our solar system when they were here. But my understanding is uh, those those uh, that in stuff is no longer on the Earth. In 1995, the Plaran left the Earth along with about 2,800. 60-some extraterrestrial humans that were in bases in North America and Asia and uh, Switzerland. And the bases in Switzerland been over here, been around for about 300 years. So something was going to happen in our future. And uh, that kind of leads us up to these prophecies. And maybe it's just the fulfillment of these prophecies that have had the cause so many of these extraterrestrials to leave the earth so uh and this is very sobering for me barbara because um um there's a lot of very profound information here and uh i'm i'm very impressed that was truly a touching and insightful introduction you gave and i think you do the uh material a great credit well it just you know it um to me um, I, I just, I, I when I started to read the 19, well wait, I went before that. I, I want Billy Meyer is a simple man. He's not well educated. He's not rich. He's just like you and me. Well, maybe a little more you than me, but he, <laughs> he he's very he's a very simple man. He is a farmer. He's had an amazing life, but he has never sought, um, he's never sought riches. He's never sought, you know, he's not out there selling off, selling readings. He's not out there doing anything that anyone who had this kind of experience could do. And yet he hasn't, he has kept his simple life, which to me speaks of Gandhi and Buddha and Jesus and Casey and not so much Rudolf Steiner, but, 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 you know, the majority of the, you know, let's even throw Blavatsky in there and let's throw Nicholas Rorick in there as well. Because what, what I have found um, is that these are the, he's, a, he's the kind of person that messengers come to, to give information to, to share with humanity. And, you, you know, frankly, you know, if you think about it, you know, a smart messenger would come to somebody with a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, they picked a simple farmer. Um, but, you, know, but, you know what else is interesting is almost all the people in the Figu, there are a few exceptions, but most all the people in the Figu won't come on the radio. I've only found one person and all the figure that will come on the radio and talk, and it's Michael Utibrook, and he is very, very knowledgeable. But he's the only one that I could ever get to come on, and that's the only reason I ever started talking about it myself, because I was just reading all this, and 
getting all this information I was about, I was so full of information I was about to bust, and I would have been much happier letting one of those people come on and talk about it, and I could just ask questions. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that makes it a lot easier. But, it sure but does. Now, I, I know one of the reasons, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I could be, but I, my first thing is, why Billy? And one of the reasons was that he smelled right. Now, there has to be more than that to it. Why Billy? Oh, yeah. now we're going to go way down the rabbit hole. Are you sure you're ready for this? Yes, I'm ready for this. Okay. These extraterrestrials have the technology to identify spirit forms. Okay. And they know his spirit form and they know its age. That's going to be hard for a lot of people to understand. Um, they've tracked this spirit form. When I say spirit form, everybody has, the Playarn tell us that everyone has a spirit form. It's it's a bit of, um, oh, you could call it immaterial, like an energy that exists in an area of our midbrain called the superior colliculus. It kind of tacks itself right up on the roof of the superior colliculus. It comes into the child at 21 days old, and with it also comes your your consciousness. And they have some some ability to to differentiate spirit forms and to recognize them. And they n- know this spirit form has not only incarnated on the earth as a teacher um, six other times, but it also has incarnated on other worlds and other solar systems and other galaxies. And that spirit form has been their teacher before. So they refer to the spirit form of Edward Albert Myers and Noka Damien. And they say it's 9.6 billion years old. It's older than our Earth. And it's incarnated on the Earth as the people that today we call Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, and Muhammad. And in this okay. last inc- last incarnation, it is working on putting this information in written form. So okay. Now, now, are you ready for this? Sure. Because you know I channel, and you know I I gather stuff from all sorts of different places, right? Mm-hmm. So I was looking for why Billy, and right. it does come down to, of course, his spirit form, and it does come. And the information that I got was, you know, it coincided with yours, but it go it went beyond that, that his spirit had evolved to the place where he was, where it was pure energy where it no longer had to take physical form to learn to to grow, to expand, to evolve. It had gotten to the place where it was pure spirit and that it existed in a place that was pure spirit. And that in order to help and serve not only humanity but other planets as well, they looked basically for a volunteer who would let go of all of, the experiences and evolution that it had taken to get to pure spirit to to give that up 
and go back to square one and become a reincarnate spirit in order to serve humanity. Well, that that coincides perfectly with uh, what's written in the contact notes and the Meyer material. Exactly. Well, cool. It, then wherever it, wherever I got it from was right. Then. Um, <laughs> so, and that was just something that I got. But but that it was a it, it was an amazing sacrifice to give up millions of years of evolution, because when he dies, he does not go back to that form. He has to rework himself you know, incarnation by incarnation back to that place. So it, it, it was taking on an additional journey of millions of years in our time. Yeah, that's very true. So um, that sacrifice was profound. It wasn't just a lifetime sacrifice. It was multi-millennia sacrifice. Yeah, it's kind of hard for us to even, you know, understand that, right? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, but so, what, so so he writes down, so he meets with these people, and he gets information from them now. Um, but he is fully aware. Well, maybe he's not fully, fully aware. Because in his predictions, um, I don't know which way to go, to go the 58 predictions first or to do the 2009 first. We can start. Uh, we can start at the fifty-eight. That's since that came first. But it's up to you. <laughs> well, um, the nineteen fifty-eight predictions, I, I really recommend people go and look at because, among other things, he predicts things like cell phones, which have not been invented. He um, and and there are hundreds of predictions here. They they go on forever, but. But what is fascinating about them is that 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 he he predicts um, he predicts events that 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 had not happened but but have at this point in time happened. And what one of the fascinating things that that I found was um, he had predicted um, the the religious fervor of the Islams. And how they would start attacking the Christians for for deeds that have been that were done in the past. That they would wear clothing with bombs in them. This is 1958. We're talking here, mm-hmm. and and you know he he brought that out. He brought out um, looking towards bases on the moon. He brought out um, he and these are these are prophecies. And he he talks about illness and plagues and waters being corrupted, and they have been. He talks about um, the weather becoming, you know, more and more unpredictable. He talks about how we are, um, how, how we are polluting the environment. He talks about governments becoming, and, and, and he, he, he absolutely talks about the, um, the U.S. government becoming an empire builder. He talks about both Gulf Wars. He talks about, you know, and this is 58. Understand how long ago this is. None of this had happened. He talks about a U.S. president um, becoming the impetus for a war in the Far East and then the son of the president coming to power as well, both Bushes. 
He doesn't mm-hmm. name them, but they're both there. He talks about, um, you know, I, I just I, there are hundreds of these. He talks about how, you know, we pay attention to the prophecies and stuff like that of, of antiquity, but we read them, but we don't we don't learn from them. Um, and and then he goes in the distance, and then he goes into the in the distant times, and you know, and I and I do believe he has to be talking times beyond where we are now because we haven't gotten there yet. But that there will be one Earth language that we will travel into the deep, in, you know, expanses of space. There's there's, but but when he he's talking about basically our own development and, and evolution, he's talking about governments lying. He talks about um, religions um, and sects, you know, beginning to um, have uh, misuse their powers. He talks about, um, okay, um, organized murder and terror commandos will live secretly in cities worldwide and plan and carry out deadly attacks in order to kill thousands of people and produce unimagined destruction. That's happening today. Um, Oh, here it is. And it will be that the fanatical Islamics, bloody revenge on the distant descendants of the Christians for the earlier crucifixions by the Christians will come into being when they will accomplish their deadly destructive acts through irrepressible terror all over the world. Just happening currently. Um, The murdering and destroying fanatics of religious and sects will end their death-bringing, fiery beliefs speak of justice in the name of God and thereby spread misery, death, and corruption happening within the last few years. Um, so, uh, you know, if you read into these predictions, you will find how they resonate with things that we have actually experienced here. They're talking, he talks about um, in vitro fertilization. He talks about AIDS. That, that really had not been, you know, much um, much dramatized. He talks about um, a new drug coming on the market um, called Crystal that will, um, you know, be be horrible to any of those who take it. Crystal meth is just out there, and it's it's devastating to people. Um, he's talking. I mean, he goes on and on and on and. You know, there was a, there, you know, I was kind of looking at them saying, just, I looked at them thinking, eh, you know, how how right could he be? Because, you know, I predict stuff, but, and, and I have a pretty ac- pretty good accuracy rate, but nothing to the, um, to the degree that he is, and he names, he doesn't name people, but he names situations. He names, um the two Gulf Wars, as I said before. He, he talks about cell phones. He talks about the Internet. He talks about um, the the religious... Um, have you read all the... Of course you have. You want to throw some in that you remember? Sure. Here's one that I think is really impressive. Until now, gigantic crowds of religious believers wandered over the earth. And also, in the future, uncountable numbers of believers of unbelievably many lunatic sects will trample the surface of the earth, whereby some sect gurus will drive their believers to mass suicide and murder. And we see yeah. that today. They're just, I mean, look at the immigrants from Syria all over the earth. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, and, and, okay, which which number was that? Because... 
That's number four, I think. Okay. Um, okay, and I'm at 53. An unimagined impending asylum seeker problem will break over the industrialized countries before the turn of the millennium and invoke asylum seeker terrorism through which a great many asocial elements emigrate who release a crime way whereby the worldly possessions of many people will no longer be safe, nor will life and limb. That's, as far as I can see, the immigration of, of the people from um, across the waters. Uh, here's, a, here's one you might, I think everyone knows this is true, Earth human. I see the great expanses of the Earth, the almost boundless oceans, the great continents, mighty mountains, the vast forests, bubbling springs, the flowing brooks, rivers, and all the lakes, and I see how they will all, at, at the hand of man, be harmed and made sick, destroyed, and the majority will be annihilated. Mm-hmm. Very it, sad. It is. Very Many sad. young people will flock to extreme radical skinhead and neo-Nazi fronts and wave their flags and form um, com- corresponding organizations that cause much damage and harm indiscriminately attack innocent people on the streets and not seldom beat them until they are cripples. Um, his, and, and, you know, for those who have not ever read Billy's prediction, um, at least the ones in 58, I think it's important to read them because um, only because you can go, whoa, that's happened, whoa, that's happened, whoa, that's happened. And then you look at the ones that haven't happened or you, you haven't, you know, and, and then at the very end of them he goes, in the distant times. Um, in, in other words, you know, if we don't destroy the planet. Um, in distant times we will be coming to a, a time where there will be um, a better outlook for humanity. But um, it, it feels as though, I think in 1958, if I had read all that, I would have thought, oh, for heaven's sake, that's ridiculous. That could never happen, not mm-hmm. in this world, not with the United States. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it is happening. And well, go ahead. One of the interesting things that I always go back to is when he was a young boy, Spoth started telling him that these things would happen back when he was on Spoth's ship. And uh, he would he would talk about a time called the third millennium, which uh-huh. we're in now. And he said in the third millennium, the people of the earth will become indolent and obtuse. And their leaders will become megalomaniacal. And the people will lose their right of self-determination. And he talks about in the third millennium there will be a secret dark order that forms that starts to gather all the power and all the money. And uh, then he, when he was talking to Swath, uh, Swath told him that the United States would drop the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that would mark the beginning of this age that we live in now, which is called the third millennium a time of confusion and maliciousness that spreads over the earth. So it's yeah, extremely it, sobering. It's sobering, very well, sobering. Well, I th- 
Yeah, I think the very first time that, you know, I, I said to you, let's look at the Billy Meyer material, um, I, I read some of this and I thought, it's ridiculous. Did now, you? I did. And and you know, <laughs> now that I'm going back and rereading, it's like, well, damn. Now, these are called prophecies. And and Billy does differentiate between prediction, prophecy, and probab- probability. Right. And a, predic- a prediction is a statement about what will happen with cer- certainty. A prophecy is a statement about what could happen if no deliberate steps are taken to change the course of events. And then a probability calculation is a statement about the probability that certain things um, – Based on the law, will happen based on the laws of cause and effect. Now, um, what we've been talking about were prophecies. Mm-hmm. You know what could happen, and what what blew me away when I started to read the 2009 prophecies um, was that they had a different feeling to them tremendously and then I read in another place and I don't know how accurate it is but um they said they they said to him that they would they would no longer give him prophecy because humanity wasn't listening at all hmm. so that so that um there there and, and I don't know if there there have been since then but the 2009 prophecies were 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 kind of scary as well because it talks so much about, and, and the, the one thing that, that I picked out here that, that I've thrown out in other places is that, that over the last 10,000 years, there have only been 250 years during which there were no acts of war on the face of the earth. That's, that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it makes you sit back and say, well, dang. <laughs> it does, yeah. But I, I don't know if you know this. You may may have remembered it from one of our earlier discussions, but um, the human being on Earth, uh, we have been genetically manipulated, and most all of us, I would say all of us, have a, a gene that is has been heightened for aggression and that was a manipulation that was done in our genetics hundreds of thousands of years ago by a group uh, in the Cirrus system who were descended from the Lyrians but they needed uh, they had lost their ability to fight they couldn't defend themselves anymore they didn't have a fighting spirit so they thought that they would genetically engineer for themselves a race of human beings that could help defend them. Uh-huh. And they were given a limited lifespan and uh, increased aggression. And uh, these people from the Sears system at some point realized that these genetically manipulated human beings were a threat to them, so they decided to do away with all of them. Well, some of the 
caretakers of these genetically manipulated human beings decided to rescue a certain number of them and brought them to our solar system. And they brought them first to a planet called Malona. There were three habitable planets in our solar system about two or 300,000 years ago, Mars, Malona, and Earth. And uh, the, I think the majority of these genetically manipulated human beings were brought to Malona. And they eventually destroyed the planet Malona. And it became our asteroid belt. But this somehow this genetic manipulation has moved, uh, it, it, was, it moved to Mars and, and to Earth as well. So now we're all infected with the gene for aggression. And that's one of the reasons why we like to fight and because we've been bred for it. So, well, it, uh, and, I just, and I, yet, you know, and and yet, the messages that they're giving Billy to give to us talk about love, compassion, caring, giving, um, and and I think what what I what I saw over and over again in the 2009 prophecies were that, um, and, and what, what caught my eye and immediately, you know, reeled me in, so to speak, um, was that it, it, it kind of goes along with my current belief system, and, and it's basically neither, neither a God nor religion can bring you true love, peace, freedom, and harmony. And in, in other words, it's, it's sort of... Um, yeah, and, and it goes on, it says, no matter how submissively fawning you are beseechingly throwing yourselves into the dust in ardent prayer, only you and you alone have the power and the might to free yourself from all of the terrible things. For you are your own Lord and Master, and only you and you alone determine your destiny and that of the whole of humankind. In other words, um, mankind, humanity, the species has invented religion and gods um, to to in some in many ways to control humanity and I mean originally um, I don't know if that was just something that we needed to do uh, somebody I had on long uh, a while back said you know you have to remember that God is not a Christian it's true. I mean, um, <laughs> now, so. you're familiar with the term uh, creation or and or universal consciousness, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you, would you like for me to elaborate on that concept, or are we going to go, go a different direction? No, elaborate away. Okay. Um, the Meyer information explains um, that there is a universal consciousness. There's a superintelligence behind the evolution of this universe, but it's not a heavenly father. It's an impersonal spiritual energy. Now, just to make things complicated and, and somewhat ironic, this impersonal spiritual energy radiates love. But it radiates love more like the sun radiates light and heat. 
You see, the sun doesn't have a personal relationship with you. Our star, it radiates light and heat because that's what stars do. In the same way, the universal consciousness radiates love because that's what it does. It is neither good nor evil. It's a neutral positive entity. It builds universes as a part of its own evolution. And it creates something called human spirit forms to help it with its evolution. So our purpose in life is to live many, 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 many lifetimes over millions of years. And in each one of those lifetimes, we gain experience and we gain wisdom. And we go up through seven evolutionary steps, eventually losing the need for a physical body and eventually merging back with this universal consciousness and bringing with us, with it all of the wisdom of those billions of years. So that's the way the universal consciousness works. That's the way. There's certain laws. There are certain creational natural laws that govern the universe. One of these is the law of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. The number one creational natural law is the law of love. And this is probably the most profound one of all. And I I like to quote some of Billy's writings that talk about love because I find it very insightful. One of the things he writes is that the incredible splendor of nature is the visible expression of the love of creation. And creation radiates love. And love is the highest principle in all creation. And everything follows that principle in absolute logic. Every tiny plant Every tiny animal fulfills its purpose in love. In fact, the creation, this this universal consciousness that we're talking about, um, it, well, Billy put it like this. When he was a very young boy, he was looking up at a beautiful starry night in Switzerland. And he said, the infinite love of creation connects all life because in all life that love lies hidden. And he talked about seeing the the visible light of the stars but that there was an invisible light which he called the love of creation. So, what is love? And not we're not talking about romantic love. The Meyer information talks about effective love and affective love. Effective love is a wisdom-conditioned wisdom love that's based on observation and understanding that you are a part of a oneness, of a whole, and that all things are interrelated. So we don't we have a kind of an illusion of separation. We are truly individual people, but we're all connected in ways we don't understand yet. There's something called the we form. And all human beings have a collective subconscious. So we're all connected subconsciously. This is something we don't quite understand yet. But when someone on the far end of the earth 
invents something, someone on the other end will invent the same thing two or three days later. That's because there's a connection there between the subconsciousness. And eventually, once we get to the point of being able to do telepathy, we'll then be able to share our thoughts with each other. And at that point, we will be able to bring more effective forms of government. And that's when war will go away. But it's all about understanding what wisdom condition love is. Samyase told Billy that love and wisdom go together. Uh-huh. And that the creation and its laws are love and wisdom at the same time. So this love that we talk about when we talk about romantic love is not true love. The true love is a stable... He puts it this way. He says that love is the everlasting warmth which comes from the center of creation. Everlasting means it lasts forever. It never ends. It never stops. And warmth because it, it comforts, it gives life. Now... That's the first creational natural law of love. Well, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure that he's given the other laws, and, and what what I'm seeing is an amazing um, mirror of the universal laws, and the very first universal law is the law of one, and that we are one, we come from one. And... Um, and here's my take on the whole thing. Now, this is my take for today. You know, we, my my philosophy may ev- will evolve and probably change over the next, I don't know, five or six decades of my lifetime. But as I see it, as I feel it, we are all part of of that consciousness that brought us into creation, and that over a millennia, we grow and we, we absorb and we learn. And, and at some point in time, let me go back to creation. Um, at creation, there was a consciousness. There was a oneness. And it expanded and it grew and it grew and it grew until at some point it just it, it didn't explode but it was very much like a seed pod. At some point, it had, it had gathered enough information, enough wisdom, enough whatever, that it 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 pooped open, and it stayed it stayed there. It is the same consciousness, and yet seeds were sent out all over the galaxy, all over creation, and each of us represents one of those seeds. And so, over millions, billions, trillions of years. We reincarnate over and over and over again, gathering information, wisdom, insight, light, all of that stuff, to the point, to the time where we become that universal oneness ourself, and we gather and we gather and we gather until we are, quote-unquote, ripe enough to send out seeds as well. So that in, in many ways, we are not only the God within, we are the universe within. And at some point in time, we will be a central creator energy force that sends seeds out to galaxies yet to be created. Hmm. That's I like that. Me too. That it works for me right now. 
Um, <laughs> you, you know, know what's, gonna... there's something to get us back on prophecy just for a second. Yeah. Um, in the 1958 prophecies, there's something interesting here. It says, um, and the time is already coming when peoples will begin to mix and when many people will flee from their homeland countries to find a hideout somewhere else in foreign countries. Yes. And there will be many <laughs> refugees who have to fight to maintain their lives while very many others creep into the structures of the better positioned countries as ec- economic refugees. And the thing that I wanted to talk about here just briefly Sure. And the time is already coming when the peoples will begin to mix. Well, this mixing of the peoples today is something that's very fashionable. And uh, I came across something in the Meyer material that I, it kind of floored me a little bit. It says that the races that we have, the genetic differences that we have, a lot of that has evolved over hundreds and thousands of years of evolution. Mm-hmm. And that we really are, it's very, very dangerous and, and unhealthy. And this is going to not be, this is not going to be popular for people to hear. But mixing of the races is a really dangerous thing to do, the Meyer material says, because Take a, you know a black person, a white person, a Hispanic person, um, a person of Oriental descent. They have all evolved to match the circumstances in the environment that they're living in, and mm-hmm. their bodies have evolved that way over centuries and centuries. And they've got resistances to the weather, to to you know germs that are in that area to sicknesses and when you when you take and you mix people of different races like that what actually happens is it cancels out all those hundreds and sometimes thousands of years of evolution and it's extremely dangerous the Meyer material I can see how that would make sense <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> I mean, not on a racial level, but just on a an environmental level. You grow up with with um, inherent um, resistance to things that are around you. I, there there are people that live in India that are immune from cobra bites. Yet, if a cobra bit me, I'd be a goner. Um, me too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And and when you think of um, of what we did as Europeans coming to this country, spreading small, smallpox and syphilis. I mean, that's basically right. what, we, what we shared. Um, you know, and we destroyed them on a religious level, on an intellectual level, and then to make sure it was complete, we wiped them out with disease. So it, it, it does make, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't, it does make sense. I, I know it, it, it is a little uncomfortable to say, but, but you know, if if I grew up in that environment, I'd be okay with it. But you know, you can't you can't. And I, I'm looking at the at the refugees that are flowing into this country, and you know, they may well be bringing things that 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 they are very comfortable with that we're not. They may be 
bringing viruses that they are immune to that we are not. I mean, if it's done cautiously and carefully and things are vetted and and precautions are taken, that's one thing, but not just pouring them into our communities and, and saying, here's money, you know, make a life. That's ridiculous. That's not fair to them. That's not fair to us. One of the things I also wanted to bring up uh, was about the weather. And this is uh, number oh, yeah. 20, 28 in our prophecies here. Storms raging from heavy to the heaviest will from now on until far into the third millennium bring unspeakably much more misery need and suffering to the human as he has never happened since time immemorial. The most severe earth and sea quakes will take effect with primeval-like force and demand millions of human lives as also will deluge-like masses of rain that evoke monstrous flooding and cause mighty destruction as the human has never before collectively experienced or seen. So what I wanted to just throw out for people to help them understand why we're, we're having this extreme weather. Uh, and I, I puzzled over this for quite some time until I kind of did a little research and uh, put two and two together. Our forests are the moderators of our weather. And that's yeah. why before we had... Before we had over a billion people, we still had these massive forests all over the planet. And the forests, what they do is they will pull in water, for one thing. They'll uh-huh. keep, keep it from, you know, the landslides and the, and the floods because of the tremendous trees and plants. The second thing they do is they provide the shade uh, to keep the soil from getting too warm in, in the highest part of summer, they always they also provide a windbreak to slow down the heavy winds, and they also kind of moderate the cooler weather to a degree. So what happens when you tear down your forests? The 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 ground gets much hotter. So you have the cool weather coming in and the hot coming off the ground. So we have these colliding weather fronts, which causes the great storms. So what we've done unknowingly uh, is make our own weather more extreme because now we have the massive cities where we used to have the massive forests. Now, one of the things the Meyer information talks about is overpopulation. And a lot of people oh, yeah. a lot of people say they they go this way with overpopulation. They look at it in solely in terms of surface area and they say, "Oh, we can't be overpopulated because you could cram everybody into this state or that state or whatever." Well, what happens in reality is that people they moderate, they go to the places of moderate climate. They go to the places with fresh water. And those are the places where the forests are. So we wipe our forests out, and the people gather in these big cities. Now, So now we have uh, New York and L.A. and Mexico City and all these giant cities in China, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Most of them on the coastline. Most, many on the coastline. Many on the coastline. Now, 
if you look at it in terms of surface area, we have tremendous amount of surface area. I mean, the most extreme example of that is the South Pole, which is like 6.5 million square miles of unused area. Well, no one's going to move down there. It's too harsh. It's too difficult of a place to live. So the idea of looking at overpopulation only in terms of surface area is just not realistic. So that's why uh-huh. we don't understand the problem of overpopulation. Let me throw out some statistics here that will help people. Here's an example of a country that's terribly overpopulated, Bangladesh, a country the size of Iowa, has a population of 167 million people. That's more people than live in Russia today. Uh, Ten million children die every year from starvation or starvation-related diseases. The world population grows by 77 million people annually. That's even hard to wrap your mind around. Uh, This is one that really blew me away. Roughly 4 million people are born on the street and die on the street in India every year. 18 million people starve to death every year in the world. One of the big problems that's going on in the United States right now is the depletion of our aquifers. Let me give you some examples. Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, California don't have enough water for their residents. And the largest user of water is agriculture. One of the major aquifers that we've um, depleted is in the central United States. It's called the Ogallala Aquifer. It's a shallow water table in the Great Plains. Its average depth is below 80 feet. It used to be, it used to have an average depth of 240 feet. This is underground water that we pump up. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll take 6,000 years to replenish that aquifer through rainfall. Um, huh. States like Colorado lost 1.65 million acres of farmland in the past 15 years. Um, some one of the most interesting things are if you just look at traffic jams. Uh, one of the most famous traffic jams occurred in 2010 in China. Uh, it was a, a traffic jam that was 90 miles in length. Oh probably had, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> no. <laughs> in São Paulo, Brazil, uh, the city set some kind of record with um, in one year they reported like 182 miles of traffic jams in one year and we know about the large dead zones that are now appearing in the oceans and the pollutions from the river Uh, six to eight of the children born to women in Africa starved to death did you know that no, I didn't. That's horrifying. But one other thing that, that I want to throw in um, <clears throat> that I just learned, actually, um, the forests, of course, put out carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. And if you go back 10,000 years, the Earth had a much higher level of carbon dioxide in its atmosphere than it does today. 
with that higher um, amount of carbon dioxide in the air, crops um, grew richer and flourished. Mm-hmm. They, they they recently found um, corn seeds in a jar that was um, unearthed in, in an Ohio mound that had corn that had corn seeds in them. They planted them, and the plants were amazing. They were rich. They were full. They were amazingly productive, and and they found that there was a direct correlation between the the richness of the plants and the plantings with a higher amount of carbon dioxide in in the environment not only that but people were bigger too so that so that as we diminish the carbon dioxide in our in our atmosphere we diminish the amount that our crops can give out and we diminish actually our size because we're getting smaller we aren't getting bigger we're getting smaller and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there is less and less carbon dioxide in our atmosphere is it less carbon dioxide or is it less oxygen? Don't the plants produce oxygen? No, they produce carbon dioxide. They they out I they don't they outgas CO two? I thought I thought you tell I'm not a scientist in this area, but I thought I thought plants produced oxygen. What do plants I, outgas? Uh anyway, our so you bring up another interesting point is that our atmosphere is very much depleted of oxygen uh, compared to the, the higher concentrations that it used to have. Uh-huh. And that's one reason why people were much larger in, in the past. Okay. And they would, they would also live longer because of uh, the higher oxygen content. And one of the things that the Meyer Information talks about is the planet uh, Era. And the Playaran... Uh, have had 50,000 years without war. And you were saying earlier, we have, we've only had like 255 years without war? Yeah. In our whole time? Um, they also don't let the population get up over about 500 million. And their planets are roughly the same size as ours. They they don't isn't, build... Go ahead. Isn't that... Um, you know those... those um, Stone um, monoliths that, that somebody constructed in um, oh down south someplace, and, and it was it was sort of they don't know who did it, but one of the things on it was that that we have to keep our population to five hundred thousand. Five hundred million. Five hundred million. Five hundred. Yeah. Five hundred yeah. million. Yeah. 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 The Georgia Guidestones. Yeah, those are the. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, that that would kind of go along right with what the Meyer material tells us. Yeah, and it's what I'm seeing is is um, all sorts of material dovetailing into the Meyer material. Now, now question: these these people have been visiting with Billy for decades. Oh yeah, and giving him information to give out. Mm-hmm. Why haven't Why haven't they, in any way, shape, or form, if they have this much care or this much concern for humanity as a whole, 
why haven't they in any other way intervened? I mean, giving a simple farmer all this information doesn't seem like it's, you know, it's exactly the most efficient way to touch into humanity and get humanity's attention. I think that's a really good question. Um, well, and I, I would answer it like this. Billy's spirit form, again, is very, very ancient. And uh-huh. he's been their teacher before in other, in a, on other worlds in, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of years ago. So what they did is in this lifetime, remember that this spirit form has lived on the earth as Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, Muhammad. So this is the culmination of like a 13,000-year program of the same spirit form incarnating on the earth and giving out information. So they've taken a slightly different approach than you or I probably would have. So the way this is supposed to go is slowly like a snowball, and I think someone in the chat room put that, yeah. slowly like a snowball going down a hill, it will gain momentum uh-huh. over the next 800 years. I don't yeah, think I, most, <laughs> most of the world is ready for this information. No, and what what I found in, in the, the 2009 material, I, after I found that statement that, you know, they said, humanity is not listening, we're going to stop giving you this stuff. And and so I had to go back to 2009 to find any prophecies of any of any sort. And the 2009 prophecies um, were were really for me interesting because they didn't have the specificity that the 2000 that the that the 1958 ones did. Mm-hmm. The 2009 ones were basically more than I mean they were certainly focused on um, on the environment, tremendously focused on the environment, yeah. tremendously focused on overpopulation. Mm-hmm. But, but above and beyond that, it also was basically saying, you know, you have become almost apathetic towards your own evolution and your own environment and your own planet, that, that, that we have become so... Uh, caught up in in our pettiness that that we have you know, I, I'm putting in my words not not his but we have forgotten that there is a spiritual journey here that we have forgotten that we are here to learn to love to grow to to generate a oneness that we are a singular family it's a family of man not the family of Americans and the family of the Parisians and the family of the Brits and the family of the Australians, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Russians. Um, oh, that, speaking of Russians, he, um, in 58, he talked about the, um, the uh, fall of the, the Russian government. He talked mm-hmm. about, I mean, he, he hit dead on so much stuff that it was phenomenal. And so when in the, in the 2009 material he's talking about He's more of, about the the fauna and the flora and providing you know preserving the the environment and 
he talks so much about how we're falling into the darkness and the demon with the demons of hatred of war of murder of killing of unpeace of justice and stuff like that um he's he's really saying you know we've screwed up basically is what he's saying and and he's also saying that 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 you know our our dependence on religion is ridiculous because religion is 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 not of a spiritual nature anymore that that we have we have negated out the the wholeness the spirit that is within us and you know we're we're looking for redemption and protection from a god that isn't there so it, it's it's amazing how his the voice changes from 58 to 2009 now it also may be a different person talking to him and giving him information as well well you bring up a lot of very interesting points there um you know um there's a lot of things we could uh you know what we could do barbara i don't know if you want to we could even take a little break and listen to a little Sounds of nature, or we've been going pretty hard here for an hour. Okay, you want to uh, take a break? Yeah, we can. We just listen to some nature sounds and kind of chill out for about thirty seconds. How's that, folks? Ah, that that helps me relax. Are you still there, Barbara? <laughs> yes, I'm still here. <laughs> you know, right across, oh, I could probably throw a stone almost. Well, I'm not. I don't have that good of an arm, but there's a there's a uh, basically a swamp not far from where I live, and I get to hear those sounds all the time. So uh, I don't know. I I just find that very comforting and relaxing. Oh, it sounds. I sh- I I sent you pictures in my backyard. Um, I'm in the woods. And, Good for uh, you. I think that's yeah. very helpful. 
Oh, it is. It is um, magical and a blessing, and it is. Um, especially when you get into material like this, because um, it's okay. So in '58, who was talking to him, and in 2009, who was talking to him? Can you, out of hand, say yeah. I, it had yeah. to be different people? Well, in 1945, he started his contacts with Spock. And he met with Spoth for 11 years. So right about, that would be 1956, his contacts with Spoth ended. Okay. And then for the next 11 years, he had contacts with Ascot. So his contacts with Ascot ended in about 1967. So that would be the the 58 material he got from her. Probably from Ascot. But... You got to realize that Billy also has he gets much information from the universal storage banks in the planetary uh-huh. storage. So, you know, well, it's the, sometimes the reason hard I, to say. Well, the hmm? reason I asked is it's in a different voice. Now, I realize what I am reading is a translation of what he wrote. So, and and you do lose a lot of of finesse and stuff like that. Um, in in the um, in the translate a lot is lost in the translation. Um, I know in the fifty eight material he was talking, he was throwing a word in that that I had to look up the meaning of because um, he was talking about G E W A L T the Gwalt. Oh, good Gwalt. Yeah. yeah, bad word, yeah. bad word. <laughs> Yes, Gewalt is um is the like the most intense um you know, violence isn't the right word for it. Um it's the violence and rape, you know, just it, absolutely it's, it's, the, it's, it's the Yeah, there's really we don't have a word in English. No. So But but what what I found was there, there is a different voice here, and and um, I guess if I read a lot of his material, um, there would be different voices there because obviously different people are talking to him, different consciousnesses are talking to him. Different, um, it, it's sort of like with, when people channel. Um, sometimes the channeled material has a different voice. And and it's it's because it's another level of channeling or another you know sometimes you're going into you know what level of consciousness and then another level of consciousness would would have a slightly different voice in in how it is perceiving and and sharing information and wisdom. So, um, but I got to tell you, whoever he was talking to in 2009 really 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 uh, let us have it because. Um, it feels it almost feels as though there is a frustration on the part of of wherever the information is coming from, a frustration that humanity is not listening. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I would agree with that definitely. And um, and when when you get down to it, I mean Billy does his best. He puts it in writing. He shares it as best he can. But you know, I I, I mean. 
if if they gave it to the UN, would that make any difference? Probably not. I mean, I, I this this information is absolutely profound and worthwhile, and it does apply to humanity as a whole. But how do you talk to humanity, and especially a humanity that doesn't believe yeah. in anything other than itself? Yeah. That, you know, one thing I wanted to just comment on is is when you said that it sounded almost like a different person. Mm-hmm. Well, he has a book that I've just read, and his most rec- the most recent book that I've read is called The Way to Live. And it's funny you should say that because when I was reading this book, I'm like, you know, in some ways this doesn't even sound like Billy. Um, let me read something here. Sure. The human being works in order to be one with the life and the consciousness and to keep in step as well as to form the life and to has, have his or her livelihood and everything necessary. Being idle means to veer off the course of life and to be estranged from all its dignity, to neglect the advancement into the endlessness and to not understand the sense of the existence. When the human being works, then he or she is like the cosmic harmony, which undulates through everything, and which, as if through a soft whispering, lets everything vibrate in love and joy, and which true human being remains mute, still, and inactive when his slash her environment and the cosmos spread the melody of love Conquered in joy in a harmonious accord. The old teaching that work is a curse and is toil and unfortunate is erroneous because truthfully, work is the pride of the human being and the way to the existence and evolution is the reward for the effort. Therefore, when the human being works, he slash she fulfills a part of the progress of the human dream, which is anchored in the creational natural laws and the recommendations as striving, and is already with within him or her at birth. And I, you know, this book has had <clears throat> such a <throat> profound effect on me. But Mark, it, that's channeled material. That's totally, absolutely channeled material. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent. You know, I, I don't know, but it's it's beautiful and it's different. Uh, uh, well, well, it's yeah. Different. I mean, he he easily could have channeled it, but um, that's universal wisdom. It's it's pure as it comes. Uh, I like that. I like that. So so. But um, but this particular book. It is different. I mean, it has a different tone than, than the Goblet of Truth. Yeah. It's, and it may be a different translator makes a difference, too. Um, but if you, like if you read the book The Psyche, for example. Now, to me, that's one of the most technical books I've ever read. And I had to read the first 20 pages. I probably read it 20 times. And I'm still trying to completely digest those first 20 pages. If I've read, I'm working on reading the Might of Thoughts for the fourth time, and 
It is extremely technical. So you do. And didn't 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 this just kind of ring true to your soul? Oh, of course. So yeah, there's a there's a difference. Very cool stuff. Oh, it is, and uh, it's different though. And uh, you you really touched on something there. There are different voices. If you if you read the Goblet of Truth. That's a different voice too. That's a different perspective. When um, when when I write something, and I'm doing it, you know, it's it's something that I have to write. That's um, you know, a, from when I was teaching school or something like that, a professional piece of whatever. I have one voice. When I write for my website, it's uh-huh. it's, a, it's a whole different voice. It's a whole different consciousness part of me when mm-hmm. i when i do predictions and things like that that's another voice um and and if i'm really you know just cutting it loose and letting it rip uh, that's a whole nother voice and and there's even a different vocabulary with each of these levels of consciousness and i do believe that people who channel you know, you're not always going on the same channel. It, sometimes you tune into a different channel, and it's great material, too. Um, I tell people often that, that, in my opinion, and I have to preface this with in my opinion, when people say, oh, I'm channeling St. Michael, or I'm channeling Jesus Christ, or I'm channeling Melchizedek, they're channeling that level of consciousness, if they're genuinely channeling anything. And, and it's not the person it's the level of consciousness and awareness that they're touching into. It has nothing to do with that spirit being there whispering in their ear. Oh no, I agree. So 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 what it is, it's 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 letting go of your ego, it's stepping back and letting another level of wisdom and consciousness come in. That and it's not a spirit taking over you, it's 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 literally you changing channel. Literally, you're changing channel. You're going from that which is Barbara to that which is Barbara, Barbara one, Barbara two, Barbara three, Barbara four. But it's 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 letting the spirit within bring information through, and it's not that something is higher or lower than another because that's not it. It's 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 a universal consciousness out there that you can access if you if you step back. And and what you read from that was totally absolutely as pure a channeling as ever I've heard. One of the uh, articles I love uh, to read from is when uh, it's called How It All Began. When he was a very young boy growing up in Switzerland, and uh, he woke up in the middle of the night and crawled out a lower window in his bedroom, and he sat down on a bench and he looked up at a beautiful starry night, and then he heard a voice in his head that said, my life is made out of the love of creation. And a short time later, words formed on his lips, which said, since ancient times, you've lived among the stars. And then it goes on to explain, Billy suddenly knew who he was and what his mission on the earth was. And then he talks about impulses, impulses which came from somewhere, which he later realized we're from the storage banks and that all these good memories penetrated him 
and showed him the way he should go in his life. And then there's something here that I still don't understand, but I hopefully someday will. It says here, Thus I also suddenly knew what space and time signify concerning the evolution of human beings and all things. So, I, you know, that's one of my favorites. And I go back to it all the time. I never get tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when something's good, it's good. But you know, mm-hmm. when it, when you come to the concept of time, isn't that a human event invention? I mean, does does time really the word time and the phrase time and the the time itself? It, is that a universal thing? Well, um. The Meyer information talks about different space-time configurations, uh-huh. and that the Pleiaren are from a different space-time configuration, um, and they just roughly translate that as dimension. But I, I don't. Sometimes I don't like that word because I think that kind of minimizes what's going on here. Our material universe has different space-time configurations. So what I mean by that is, for example, there's a Cirrus system that we see in our space-time configuration, and then there's another Cirrus system. And then there's the Lyra Vega system that we see in our space-time configuration. And then there's another Lyra Vega system in a different space-time configuration, the one that the Lyrians came from. So not only do these extraterrestrials travel from star system to star system, but they also penetrate these different space-time configurations. So is is time real? I think it is, <laughs> but I don't think we completely understand it by any stretch of the imagination. No, I totally agree. No, I just... Um in, in going over this material, it opens up so much philosophical stuff to get into. Um, <clears throat> but in, in the most recent stuff that I saw, which is, which is I will grant you, almost 20 years old, there was such concern for the environment. There was such concern for, um, for, for what we were doing to the planet and how we were not caring for one another and how we were not... Um, experiencing the element of love to the level and degree that, that, that we have the potential for. But, but it was also saying, for heaven's sakes, wake up, you have the power to change this. And, and I have you know, always believed that, that we create our reality by our perception of it. And in, in, in so doing, we have the power to shift and change the destiny pathway that we and uh, that we as a person and as a race and as a species um, are are, pulmon- are are you know pulmoning towards. Yeah. Are you? I'm hearing a little echo, not from you, but from me, slightly. No, you you sound really good. Okay, good, good. Maybe it's just my own imagination. I want to read more from these prophecies, number oh, forty. Sure. Number 40 from 1958. Uh, And it will be that even before the time of the third millennium, and indeed in 1993, 
a political and commercial European dictator will arise that will be called the European Union. And an evil yes. will carry the number 666. <laughs> As through this, the citizens of all member countries will finally be brought under total control through biometric data and identification devices and in the form of small data chips in the head or body inserted in a biometric identification system that would be overseen and controlled through a central data bank, whereby finally the whereabouts of every human can be exactly determined to the meter. First the U.S. and later the European Union will introduce this modern human enslavement. Thereafter, then other countries will also follow, all preceding the Swiss. Thereby, through this process, the personal and national citizens' human rights will be drastically trimmed, which fundamentally will be originally and already planned at the construction of the European Union, whereby the citizen is finally deemed fully incapable of managing his own affairs and should be governed only by the authorities without having a right to say regarding certain governmental things and decisions. I think we're heading in that direction. Oh, I totally agree. Um, and, and, you know, he talked about cell phone, but cell phones are in, in many ways a device to track us and our thoughts and our, and our actions. Because, of course, the government can get into them. And, and it's the same with the Internet. The government, I mean, the, the Internet isn't as safe as one would think in that, in that anybody is hackable. So I agree with you. I, I totally believe we think we have greater independence than, than in reality that we do. Here, here's another thing that's come true. New solar satellites will also be discovered in our solar system that move far outside the orbit of Pluto. Yet that will first be after the turn of the millennium, which we've, we're starting to find all these additional planets now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's... He, Go ahead. Yeah, and in 30 years, the business prosperity, which will be re um, restrained until then will collapse and induce immeasurably high joblessness in all industrial countries, whereby not only may millions of people be without work and be benefiting from handouts, rather also families will be destroyed, criminally, criminality will spread out, and murders will be committed. I mean, that's happening. And here's another one. The constantly climbing mass of overpopulation leads to apathy and the softening of people whereby the genuine interpersonal relationships grow cold and disappear while the masculine gender, however, still slowly, unstoppably becomes less potent. I think we've seen that as well. Oh, yeah. Well, and I have to tell you, I think there's a part of me that, that actually believes that... Um, some of our vaccines and such have been tampered with so as to make make women infertile. I, I do believe that there is oh. 
it's, it's, it's my personal belief that um, that there is out there a conspiracy to make the population to a great degree infertile so the population is controlled that way. Yeah, no doubt about it. This, that's for sure. Now here's another one. Marriages <laughs> will no longer be formed out of love, rather out of addiction to profit for the sake of appearances and as a consequence of erroneous and short-term confusions of feeling. And it so happens ever more frequently that husband and wife will be unfaithful and will divorce as often as they marry. I think there's a 70% rate of divorce now. But in 1958, yeah. when this was written, it wasn't like that. I, I know. Have you, are you, are you, are you, are you kind of, I, I'm, I'm sure you haven't, you probably haven't read this material for a long time, but isn't it fascinating how accurate it is? <laughs> it is fascinating. It's very fascinating. It's also uh, a little scary. Yeah, you know, sometimes the the prophecies are so overwhelming that I just oh, I just try not to even read them because um, it's just too overwhelming. And I think you may have read this one already. And it will be that the fanatical Islamists' bloody revenge on the distant descendants of Christians for the earlier crucifix, crucifixions by the Christians will come into being when they accomplish their deadly destructive acts through irrepressible terror all, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you may have read that one already. But it's worth it reading again. Um, but, you know the, the the drug stuff too really got to me. How 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 he brought the term crystal into the drug, and of course, crystal, crystal meth is you know something that is out there that is destroying people's lives. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and you know, you, you just you get to the place where um, you you sit and you you look at this and you say, okay, so all of this is happening. How can we change it? Um, oh, and this too. Wait, time is coming when nobody who speaks for law and order will be heard anymore. It is it has already been for a long period of time that none are heard who speak against the religious and sectarian beliefs and painstakingly spread the truthful truth in regard to life, creation, and its laws and directives, which especially will be again approaching this time when in the third millennium a German religious fanatic pope will assume the pontificate who believes through his fanciful belief in God that he can save the world from its designation and downfall. Wow. That's a very interesting <laughs> prophecy. Very interesting. Yes. Here's yes, another one. Here's another <laughs> one. In in times to come, people will be less and less satisfied with their own bodies. And so they will allow all kinds of operations on themselves in order to be better proportioned and more beautiful as they themselves imagine, whereby, however, the entire business damages their health and not seldom leads to mutilations or even death. You know, have you ever seen the the poor uh, people that get the plastic surgery? A lot of the stars when it goes yes. wrong. Oh, oh, yeah, it's, it's just really let yourself wrong. age. Let yourself age normally. Don't you know? Don't do that. Um, here's another one. 
Through beauty cures and beauty aids, people will decline to an early externally old appearance. And they will earlier have wrinkles and white hair like old people because the utilized means will also damage the skin in the same way as do the ever more dangerous and increasingly hotter rays of the sun. In coming times, people will wander around in life without pause and be without leadership or direction because due to inadequate love and warm-heartedness as well as relationships from person to person, their consciousness, thoughts and feelings as well as psyche are stunted whereby very many psychic illnesses and breakdowns result that not seldom will lead to suicide because no more help will be accessible to these people. Uh-huh. And, I, and we're seeing the same kind of thing. Oh, right. yeah. And now, now remember, <clears throat> this is 1958, for those of you who don't remember back that far. But listen to what he says. This, this I think, is amazing. Now, 1958, um, I can remember back that far. But, I mean, I was still in, in elementary school. Um, ever since a long time ago, every person has known through public media, such as radio and newspapers, what is happening at all ends of the earth. Yet that will only be the start, as the means of communications and news spreading will spread rapidly, as through television, through which events can be directly followed pictorially in all corners of the earth, as also, however, through various electronic commun- telecommunication devices that over satellites transmit everything up to the Earth's hindmost nook in word and picture, while in only 40 years, even the simplest citizen, this is 58, even the simplest citizen will carry a pocket telephone around with him and would use it at every possible and impossible opportunity. <laughs> Does that not sound like the like the texting fanatics and stuff that we've got out now? I know you see people on dates and they're not even talking to each other. They're both staring at their cell phones. Well, and and what gets me is we have access to watching um watching you know um, um maneuvers by the army. I'm watching watching uh bombing stuff and and you know we are in on the very minute of things we we you know it's not a matter of waiting to listen to the 11 o'clock news anymore you have things happening as they are happening and you're seeing them on television on your cell phone and your tablets and 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 you know what it creates an apathy for those occurrences because uh-huh. it, it it creates a total apathy for the horror and the terror that you can be witnessing because the next thing you know you're you're talking about somebody's um divorce or who has a boob job or who got fired and so there's an apathy for the the horrific news that is out there because in the blink of an eye they are covering the lottery winners yeah yeah it's interesting um Here's something we were kind of talking about before. Through the clear felling of the rainforest, the oxygen level in the air will already be before the third millennium and until far into it sink unnoticeably, which will have effects on the health of humans and animals, while at the same time the pollution of the environment and the pollution of the air 
who have taken on such forms that people will be made sick from it, and the weak among them will perish. Don't people in China have to wear a little mask over their face half the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of the air pollution in the cities. It's so bad. Oh, wow. The um, these these are great prophecies. <laughs> They're very um, interesting. Oh, they, I, I I like this one too. The consciousness, as well as reason and understanding of humans, will become his prisoners, and he will be drunk from religious and sectarian beliefs. Thereby, he will not notice that he, through religions and sects, will be ever more deceived and kept distance from the effective truth of creation and its laws and directives. And as a result, he chases after unreal religious and sectarian images and reflections which hold him back from the truth and make him a willing sheep of the wicked ones. Isn't it interesting how the televangelists become millionaires, though? Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're so popular. It, It is. I mean, they, they make $40, 50000000 million a year, and uh, I just find that always to be so bizarre. Well, in essence, though, they're, they're saying that the religious teachers out there now, and I'm not talking about the, the originators of the truth that most religions are based upon. I'm talking about what, what, what organized religion is doing now is basically deceiving those who are practitioners into following um, a way and a method and a truth that is a lie. Mm. Because, you know, the teachings of Jesus, the Buddha, uh, Gandhi, um, you you name them, the the original truths that were put out there in the original teachings were pure love and caring and sharing. And what's going on now is 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 almost a politicalization of a religious concept. I would agree with that. Uh, religion is very interesting. Billy has a book. Um, it's called God Delusion Insanity, uh-huh. and he t- he talks about the that certain belief systems are actually pa- passed down genetically. And uh, he says it's almost like um, epilepsy, and it affects you almost that way. Um, Some of these belief systems somehow go down genetically, and it's almost like, um, um, you know what happens to you when you have an epileptic kind of fit? Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of out of control, and you're and you're operating under some almost like a reflex action, and I think that's the way these religions affect people. They go into the kind of a state of kind of delusion, almost like an insanity state for a short time, and that's when they do these horrific acts. And we we see certain. I mean, Islam is an easy religion to pick on for that. But I'm sure all the religions have that effect to a degree. I, well, I believe all of the religions have their fanatics for sure, and 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 it's a shame to to um, in any way um, 
denigrate a religion because of a fanatic group because because most religions almost all religions out there their very very foundation is the golden rule and if you get down to the foundation of them and that's what you're going to adhere to and work with you know go for it mm-hmm. but but um if you if you if you have to wade through 2000 years of corruption then the truth is hard to find. <laughs> Two thousand years of corruption. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a very, very good point. Well, that's a lot well, of corruption. That's a lot of time to do it well and do it beautifully. And and you know, but but if you hit the bottom line, the bottom line is do unto others. And and that's that's a very kind, peaceful way to live and if you do that You've basically got it made. You really have. Uh, but but the element of kindness and truth and love and and respect and all of that comes into play here. But um, you know, in 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 both sets of of predictions, the 2009 and the and the 1958, um, he's talking about overpopulation, which we have, and he's talking about the destruction of of the the planet, which we're doing. And he also talks about um, over and over again, um, and in both places, more so in the 2009 um, predictions, about about massive storms, about earthquakes, and about volcanoes erupting. And I am I am an earthquake watcher because I I personally believe the New Madrid line is going to go off in my lifetime, and um, it 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 will be. If it does go off again to to the degree that has been anticipated, it will be an eight or a nine on the Richter scale and the the other thing if you if you if you have looked at all um at the um <clears throat> there's a wonderful app out there for your cell phones <laughs> and it's called three d um three d earthquake map Mm-hmm. And if you get that, you can look at it and you can see the ring of fire is definitely being activated. And it is the most phenomenal thing to watch because that the ring of fire is that is that circle in the Pacific that goes, you know, Japan to the Aleutians to the um west coast of the United States and down down the um west coast of South America and then around, but that ring of fire is being activated, and there there um, there is a rumbling. It's almost like the Earth has indigestion, and whether it's going to be massive earthquakes more so than we've seen, and and volcanoes going off more so than we've seen, and it does feel like we are coming into a time frame, a, perhaps a decade of it, where where there's going to be a massive amount of that going on, and he talks of that. And it's it's. Um, and I know when I did the predictions for this year, I, I spoke of major um, major rivers in the world that were going to, in many ways, shift their beds and, in many cases, reveal civilizations we didn't know were there. Hmm. Have you looked so, at all at the Contact Two Fifteen uh, that was like done nineteen eighty? I believe. I don't think so. What does it say? 
Well, I, I, that would be another one for you to put on your list of, since you kind of like the prophecy stuff. One of those talks about destruction in North America. And it says, far in the West it will be different. The United States of America will be a country of total destruction. The cause will be manifold with her global conflicts, which are continuously instigated by her, and which will continue far into the future. America is creating enormous hatred against her worldwide in many countries. As a result, America will experience enormous catastrophes, which reach proportions barely imaginable to the people of Earth. The destruction of the World Trade Center by terrorists will only be the beginning. Yet all the apocalyptic events will not only be brought about due to the use of unbelievably deadly and destructive weapons such as chemical laser and others, and by clone murder machines. But in addition to this, the earth and nature maltreated to the deepest steps by the irresponsible human beings of earth will rise up and cause destruction and bring death onto the earth. Enormous firestorms and gigantic hurricanes will sweep over the USA and bring devastation, destruction, and annihilation. As this from the time immemorable never have, will have happened, not only in America, but also in other Western industrial nations, which still live at the beginning of the new millennium in the delusion that they can dominate and rule over underdeveloped nations, third world nations, will not only lose their influence over these, but must defend themselves against them. And it goes on. It goes on, and it's even more intense. When was that done? <clears throat> when, when was that one written? That was in 1987. It also <clears throat> talks yeah, about mean, the civil wars in the United States. You've heard about that probably, right? Yep. We're supposed to have two civil wars? Well, we've had one. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think what it's talking about is two additional civil wars, yeah. <laughs> um, besides okay. the one we've already had. Well, the the um, I'll go to the 2009 prophecies, <laughs> saying that we have the power to change all of it. And I think we will. We, I think we will. I mean, that's why I I, I I focus on the spiritual teaching. Because I yeah, think and it, I mean, this is from 2009, but human being of Earth, you must finally advance the evolution of your consciousness and take the responsibility into your own hands. Instead of demanding it from God or a religion and from the belief in these, since help will never come from them, but solely from yourself. And... Um, it, it it goes on and on about how <clears throat> it's it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to take control and change things, and to change things by letting go of fear and letting go of anger and letting go of of a lot of our preconditioned pre whatever uh, that 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 you know we come into a lifetime with. It it does means you know, it does talk about earthquakes and sea quakes will occur with increasing frequency, as will enormous tsunamis in the oceans and lakes resulting therefrom. Thus, furthermore, devastating destruction of nature and of your achievements arise. So it's it's basically saying, you know, we have a we have a choice 
to <clears throat> to to either allow this to continue and and perhaps move to the outer planets or to save Earth and make it a habitable planet as well. Well, you know, I that's why I focus on, I try to focus on the spiritual teachings as much as possible because I do think we have the opportunity to turn things around. And I think we have made some progress. And we we need to focus on things like one of his greatest writings, I think, is uh, The Might of Thoughts. And understanding that neutral positive thinking produces, well, neutral positive thinking produces good, good thoughts, produce good feelings, good feelings produce good habits, good habits produce good circumstances in your life. The circumstances in your life arise from the power of your own thoughts. Uh-huh. You you are in charge of your own life. You you are the master of your own destiny. And our thoughts go out into the universe. And if they're good, neutral, positive thoughts, they'll come back to us in that way even stronger. Oh, absolutely. So. so Here's something, again, from the book, The Way to Live. May the human being never let himself slash herself be seduced by his or her desires to hastily bring some plans to fruition, because good things take time. Therefore, may the human being not pay attention to small advantages which dazzle him or her. Slow and steady wins the race, because all desire for quick accomplishment contradicts all thoroughness and whoever directs his or her attentive at small advantages obstructs all great tasks and the actual success of fulfillment so good things take time it's not the way of the day is it no the way of the the day is hurry hurry (laughs) (laughs) well you know i i think that that um that we have as a culture gotten to a place where where yes we are focused on survival and survival means work and accumulating toys and we've lost the the uh the focus on the fact that there is a spiritual aspect to life and if that's interwoven into the other part of our life there is a great richness there that that enables us to to face and 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 surmount anything and I, I, true, I truly believe that. I, I have seen people who cure themselves of cancer. I've seen people who, you know, have been able to go through devastating difficulties and come out with a smile and a positive attitude. It is, it is absolutely something that, that we are all capable of if we, if we choose to go that way. Uh, I, I, I've, I see. Thousands. I read thousands of people a year, and and I have I have worked with people who have lost their jobs and and people who, you know, and, and you know when when they come to me and they're they're upset and everything, you know, I basically say this is so exciting. You have an opportunity to follow your dreams, so let's figure out what they are and, and create a job around that. And and as soon as they start to see the potential with the loss of their job and what it can bring into their lives, they become more positive, they go out, and they truly achieve 
amazing things and they find a greater richness in their life because they're following an inner passion. And then there are other people who lose their jobs and they're just so depressed and they just won't focus on anything positive and and they stay in that darkness. So, you know, we're capable of both both extremes and it's it's what we choose to do with our our perspective in our lives that 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 either brings richness into it or not he has billy has 77 meditative sentences which are really good for using in those times when you're really in and some under some pressure and you're having trouble keeping your thoughts uh focused on healthy things um, so maybe I can remember some of these off the top of my head. If I can't, I'm going to have to read them. One of them says, I always remain relaxed. I thereby gain might over myself. I always remain relaxed. Thereby I gain might over myself. Another one says, everything is achievable for me. And I master whatever I accomplish. Everything is achievable for me. I master what." Ever I accomplish. Here's one I don't know yet, but I think it's a good one. The calmer and more tenacious I become, the more I overcome difficulty. The calmer and more tenacious I become, the more I overcome difficulties. Here's one that I have worked on a little bit. Within me exists neither anxiety nor fear. Within me exists neither anxiety or fear. Here is one that is very interesting. It says, there is no unsatisfaction in me because everything moves itself actively and in contentment. There is no unsatisfaction in me because everything moves itself actively and in contentment. And he talks about the danger of unsatisfaction in the book, The Might of Thoughts. And I think I've been guilty of that myself at times, <laughs> well. being unsatisfied with a certain situation. And we really never should always push out unsatisfaction if it comes into our lives. We really have to learn to monitor our thoughts. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there there have been... and. And the fact that we that we sometimes fall and sometimes falter is is part of being human, so that it's sort of like you you can catch yourself at any point, and I I I always try to look for the positive and and for in many cases um, in many cases I find it and I I end up you know looking horribly joyful when when things appear to be falling apart and. And it's sort of like I, I had um, I had to empty out five rooms in the house last year because I got um, I had storm damage and it was the best thing that could have possibly ever happened to me because I got my house repainted and I never could have afforded to do it but because it was an insurance thing it it all got done and mm. um, I had to declutter myself and in the decluttering I found that that um, I was letting go of things that I, I, I had been holding on to because um, I had nothing better to do. And the reality was I even had two thrift shops tell me not to come back because I'd given them so much. And 
Really? You know, it was yeah, yeah, I took that as a, you know, a badge of pride, you know. <laughs> but but I haven't missed anything that I gave away. And and it it was it was an amazingly wonderful experience, exhausting, but amazingly a wonderful experience for me. And, you know, I could have been, you know, unhappy and displeased and moan and groan, but the reality was it was an exciting thing for me to do, and it was the perception of it that made it such a joyful thing. And, and you know, we all have, the, we all have that ability within us. We, you know, do, do, I, do I falter? Do I have moments of, oh, damn, why me? Sure. But, you know, when you recognize what you're doing, then you have the power to change it. And there are yeah. moments when it's appropriate. You know. Appropriate? Well, yeah, you don't you don't get giggly at a funeral if you can help it. Um, you know, it's it's there and and there have times when I have become giggly. I think that's just a nervous reaction on my part. <laughs> but 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 uh, yeah, I, I do believe that that we have so much power inside of us that we don't even recognize is there and. And, and to to step back and say, okay, I choose to be excited and pleased and happy that new beginnings are ahead of me instead of, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I no longer have a job. Um, because when you're interviewing for a job, if you're positive and excited, the chances are you're going to get the job. I agree. I agree so, with that. You know, it's it's just... It, it, it is a logical thing to do, and, and you know, whatever you need. Affirmations are wonderful. They really do help you to change your perspective. Um, understanding that you take your power back from people that you've given it to, and, and you become a powerful person inside yourself. You don't leap small buildings at a single bound, but, but you do take back control of your life. And shifting and changing, you know, occupations and things like that, that's taking control back. And that's also the universe saying, you've complained so much, we're going to do it for you because you haven't actually gone out and looked for another job yourself. So, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 not, it's not a punishment. It's the universe being tired of waiting for you to take action. Well, Barbara, we're down to about two minutes on the stream. And oh, wow. I, I appreciate you... Um, wanting to have a little chat about the Meyer prophecies, and it's probably something I need to get back into a little bit more because I tend to cover the other material a little bit. But these prophecies are very sobering, and they kind of bring us back to reality. They do. And, and you know, I think it's another testimony to the fact that Billy has material that, that you know, is is well worth digging into and paying attention to and possibly applying to our lives to change them and make them better. Which I think we can do. Absolutely. And, uh, and we need to focus on that. And um, I guess people will be hearing this show sometime in the future on um, Tell People Your your Revolution Radio program now. It's freedomslips.com. It's nightlight. It's on Monday nights at 10 o'clock. And this show will be airing on the 30th of May. And I thank you for being here and letting us do this on Blog Talk as well. 
Sounds great. Uh, Barbara, uh, I always I love chatting with you, and uh, we started with the sounds of nature. Maybe we'll just go <laughs> ahead and close out with that, too. How's that? Sounds good. Have a good evening, folks. Good night. A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 400,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. 